mention it. Yeah. podcast with kevin and dane my name's dane and i'm kevin we are in stew stew c this is definitely stew c yeah we're recording stew. from shout Canada. out to stucy <laughs> stucy is nice stucy yeah. this this stew oh stew oh this stew stucy I mean, stucy yeah. has some nice shit too yeah stucy is fun. i'm yeah. i'm a stucy it's stan. a west coast thing right yeah yeah i didn't really know it was a west coast thing yeah until until recently. super super skater yeah West Coast it's vibes. cool yeah I'm I'm a staunch Stussy stand mm. yeah you are see the alliteration yeah. yeah yeah you are all right so we're back after um, a hiatus yeah episode twenty in twenty twenty yeah this is episode twenty um, just like we planned <laughs> what do you got let's get right into it twenty twenty this is this is our year yeah I guess what do you got what do I got for for a silly opening segment. I don't have anything silly. My opening segment is pretty, pretty somber, actually. What is it? It's this. It's talking about the state of society. Well, should okay. Well, should I do my silly thing first? Yes, you should be silly thing should, first. Probably. All right. Well, I mean, when you saw me, what mm-hmm. was what was different about me? You have the. <laughs> you have the beard popping. The be- your beard adjacent. I'm beard adjacent. Yeah, yeah. So I I I can't really grow a beard. Like my facial hair just does not. It doesn't happen. Which is weird because my dad can, but like yeah. my and my cousins on my dad's side, they can't. But their dad can. Like my uncle can. Right, right. So like the the me and my brother. And my two cousins who so, are like... So it's you guys' mom. Maybe. Like, the, our generation yeah. got fucked. Like, none of us can really seem to grow, like, a legitimate beard. Yeah. That's and probably that's probably your mom's genes. Some bullshit. Because l- look at this face. <laughs> you know what? You and look then like, superimpose, you look like a, a, superimpose upon it a full beard. No, you look How like... How fire is this face with a full beard? No, you, you, look like, you look like you do need a beard, actually. Fuck you. <laughs> But no, it's kind of like that for me too, though. Like, my dad has the full joint. And, like, mine is kind of coming, but it's, like, not there no, yet. No, but you, but you don't even have any right to say that you, you, you're, like, unhappy with your beard compared to me. Oh, well, no, no, no. You make me feel better. <laughs> yeah, <mine>. okay. Well, <laughs> but as long as there's I'm, some utility. Yeah, no, like, but, I, but it's, it's the same thing, though. Like my, like, my dad's, his shit is, like, full. And he can shave it and, like, you know turn around two weeks later is back to full like it was like if I cut my shit I'm gonna have to wait you know months until it actually gets back to what where it's at now yeah which is why I haven't cut it I think for like like I get this and then that's it like everyone's like oh no keep it like see what happens and I'm like no no, no you don't this, understand this, it got to yeah. this point and now that's it it's gonna be like this we've seen what happens yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's some absolute bullshit it's ridiculous um alright what you got that's somber I guess it's not somber now that I think about it it's really just I'm venting about Vent. how fucked up the world is and really what made me like realize how fucked up the world was was after this whole like Iran shit mm-hmm. and cats were making World War Three memes. I knew like at that point I was like, it's over. When you told me that you had a rant about this, mm-hmm. I deliberately was like, I want to wait because I'm very interested. Like, wh- okay, wh- wh- what is your take? What is it? Like, so I'm, I'm a nerd when it comes to like military war history and shit so like especially like world war ii but just thinking about like the what happens during war 
right? And like cats are like dead ass making memes about the draft and like all of this. Shit. And it's just like they already sent cats over there. You know what I'm saying? Like who are literally like not coming back. And you guys are making fucking memes. Like, I just can't wrap my mind around, like, how detached we are from, like, or how normalized war has become to the point that we uh, can make a fucking joke about it now. Okay, so, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to zero in on, like, what your, what the, the brunt of your critique is. Is it just that cats are, like... I guess it's... Are, it's, are you saying by memeing it, they're, like, sort of minimizing the very real possibility? Right. Okay. Right. And it's, but... And it's not, it's, it's like, it's minimizing it, but it's not, it's just, it's what we're minimizing. You know, it's like, it's one thing to make a meme about a president, right? We live in this country. We supposedly have free speech. Um, shout out to the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, we, you know, supposedly have free speech and, and all of this stuff. And so it's like, when you have people critiquing like the president or something like that, that's one thing, making a meme about the president yeah. or you know elected officials or shit like that that's one thing but like war like cats are fucking getting chopped down <laughs> you know what i'm saying and we're like yeah let's let's fucking make fun of the possibility of a draft well there there won't what be were some because i didn't really, i saw some me i saw some of them i don't really have a i didn't really think about them enough to have like a picture that I'm able to recall of them now but I, saw, I remember I saw a couple and then I saw another I get like it wasn't really a meme but just like a Twitter post that went viral that said something to the effect of um these World War 3 memes were funny until my friend who's in the armed services told me that someone higher up told all told all of us armed service people to like update their wills and shit yeah <laughs> but like, but like, what were some of the like? I guess what were some of the like? Um, so, I know a couple of them were like, it was Trump sort of coming out, going out to the podium or something like that, and they were like making that into the draft as in the same way that like David Stern or Adam Silver or Roger Goodell walks out to you know draft for the NBA and NFL and shit like that. It was a meme like that. Uh, damn, it was it was a lot of different shit. Really, I just scrolled through. It it really wasn't so much so much that anything stood out like in particular that was just so egregious. It was just the fact that we're so detached or normal like war is so so normalized now that we're like okay, we can just make a joke out of this shit because you know it's over there or whatever like. It's real fucking shit. Happening. So, but to, to play devil's advocate, like I, I totally agree. I think two things can be true, but to play devil's advocate, isn't it not, it maybe in, I would have to see the memes. I think we'd have to do it on an individual, a meme to meme basis mm-hmm. basically, but can't some of the, the joking about it be a reaction to the absurdity of it? That basically we have this reality star president who is, inflaming tensions with another country primarily over twitter who he who himself was a draft dodger Mm -hmm. and so could could not the memeing be like uh, a sort of reflection of just the absurdity of the situation i mean yeah it is actually but i'm also like pointing out the fact that in order to mean that shit like cats aren't really sitting back and having a nuanced take about like oh let me make a meme about this to critique the absurdity of our current geopolitical situation cats are making a meme out of it because they're laughing out of like oh world war three is about to pop it, off yeah and let's fucking get online and and drum up some bullshit just for clicks and shits and giggles like that's the sort of intent around it more so than <clears throat> let's you know throw out memes out here for yeah some type of you know analysis or some shit. No, cats aren't doing it for that reason. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying the part that's fucked up. If, you know, like comedians are going to talk about this shit, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle gets on stage and he talks about the war. He's going to talk about it and, and yeah, it's going to be some funny shit in it, but it's going to be some type of nuanced, you know, analysis that's 
that buttress is whatever joke he's he's laying out. Yeah, cats aren't fucking doing that shit online. They're trying to make a they're fuck. Just trying they're to, just trying to make light like out of me it or when me. I get drafted for World War Three. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, like that's what it is. Like fuck out of here. Like we're this shit is over, <laughs> bro. I'm, 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 I was scared. I was when all that shit was happening. I was it, I was scared. Very this scared. Shit is, this shit is wild. So I was just after that. I was just like, you know what. I'm I'm sort of done with people. Yeah. I don't think I mean I don't really know history very well, but like I don't think people really know a lot of it. like World War 3 memes. I mean, now that you think about, now that I you've got me thinking about it like it's kind of crazy. It's wild. Cuz World it's War 2 wasn't that long ago. Bro, at all. <laughs> like World War 1 wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Like and like the progression of world wars after every after every after World War One, it was like okay, never again. And then after World War Two, it's like okay, we have to make sure this shit never happens again. Right. So we're like we're gonna set up all these infrastructures to like make. Yeah, I don't know. It's fucking scary. This is not some shit to be played with. <laughs> <laughs> if there were a World War Three draft, though, this is what I'd do. You're too I, old. I'm too old already. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, that's fire! Yeah, shit. Yeah. Okay, what's the what's the who? I think normally, normally I, I think normally it's like eighteen or like twenty five. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Normally, like yeah. I know, like Vietnam, like it was they were plucking like fucking teenagers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I would do if it was a, a dire situation and they were like, "All right, any, we need anyone. we need cats thirty yeah. and up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would preempt the draft and volunteer for a specific branch. You feel me? I would volunteer to be, I've thought this through, one of the cats that's on the runways or the aircraft carriers that has those big orange like carrot looking things. Mm-hmm. Bro, I'd do that. And you know why I'd do that? My dad used to do that. So it's like it runs in the family. <laughs> When when did your dad when was your dad when did your dad do it? I don't uh, I think out of college or something he did it. So when I'm saying like what during what time? Was um, it during a hot war? He I don't think he did it in a military. He wasn't it wasn't a military. Oh, okay. He was a civilian. Oh, uh, okay, like, like a, okay. Okay. Airplane director. Okay. I have to I have to find more out more yeah. out about that. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I do. You know what I do? What you do? I get on the first thing smoking to Bali. <laughs> Bali has no uh, extradition agreement with the United States, so if you ever need to, oh, you just be in Bali. I'm not going to anybody's war, okay? Yeah. <laughs> fuck that shit. I like fuck no. Yeah, fuck no. Like especially because I'm such a nerd when it comes to like war history. No, fuck no. Mm-mm. There's no. There's absolutely no way. That I would go out and fucking pick up a goddamn gun out there on that shit. No fucking way. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. One more silly thing. <laughs> and th- so, did you see the Ricky Gervais? Uh... Yeah. Okay. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a. It was poignant. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I really like the end when he um. Got on Apple and then got on like actors in general. Right. Right. Um. But I was pissed because I had sort of been th- the sentiment he expressed uh, about celebrities. Mm-hmm. I was kind of prior to seeing that Ricky Gervais thing. I was watching a lot of like for you know the fucking show Hot Ones where they the, the celebs mm-hmm. eat uh, the hot chicken wings. wings. Yeah, and I was like, let me check this shit out because every video has like mad millions of views and they always go viral. And I was like, what's this all about? So I watch a couple of them and there some of them are like somewhat interesting and it's somewhat it's kind of a unique conceit maybe like service level but as I watched more and more of them I was just overcome with this feeling that celebrities like celebrity traditional right mm-hmm. they're so boring they're so mundane like, they have nothing interesting to say. And I'm like, what is this fascinating? Like, this is a long-form interview with that is just 
totally vacuous. And I'm like, how does this have 30 million views where like we really care what Shia LaBeouf has to say about like what I'm like, you're not a, a person who I want to hear talk about really anything like you. Maybe you're like competent at your job of like reading lines in, 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 a, in, a, in a context or whatever. But like this is not interesting at all. It's like what is the obsession with celebrity? Like when, when it comes down to it, they are more mundane than re- regular people. Right. Um, and I feel like Ricky Gervais, that was, that was like yeah. the, sort of, no, that was, sort of that what was, he was saying. No, that was actually the, the best part of his yeah. thing to me was. Yeah. Because, I mean, and it, what was funny was I don't know who the chick was who got on after him and accepted an award. And then she was on her soapbox. Like, oh, really? Right after he. So it was just kind of like <laughs> it, it just proved his point. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it's just like the fact that we see him so much. Like the fact that they're like thrown into our faces, whether it's through social media, whether it's on TV or whatever the fuck that is kind of like you're now looking for that person to to then, you know, speak out about some shit. And then they feel emboldened by that shit, mm. that their that their opinions do actually matter, that they do have some type of valuable take on something. And for the most part, yeah, like you said, they're all you get is vapid responses from cats on a host of and, and it's not issues. even like it's because they're doing some PR calculation. It's because there's oh, no, nothing there. No, there. there's nothing there. No, yeah. like, I mean, you have to think, too, like, the people who you should be listening to on issues of, you know, economics or, you know, political strife overseas and all of this shit like that should be the fucking international relations professors or or journalists or yeah people who have know, actually people spent a lot of time thinking about it live in it yeah, do yeah, it yeah. you know like if i want to talk about a fucking i don't know if i want to talk about how shit operates on set somewhere on a on a film set then yeah i'll come talk to you yeah. if i want to learn how to read lines or you know whatever <laughs> like then yeah i'll come to this you know to whoever to the actor, if I want to know about music, like yeah, let me go to the to the music producer or whatever, and and do that. If I want to fucking work on my on my game, let me go sit with LeBron. I'm not fucking asking LeBron about yeah. what's going on between Iran, the fucking history between Iran and the United States, and what's his take. And you know, like, and I even think like the, not even that, just like the, the, they're just not interesting people fundamentally. Like at bottom, oh, yeah, they're like you're, not yeah, interesting. You're saying, you're I'm saying, saying like the disparity between what, what we're presented with at, at like the, the image of these celebrities as like these complex tortured artists or whatever it is. Like there's an expectation that we should care about what they have mm-hmm. to say, whether they are sort of grandstanding about political issues that they probably shouldn't be or whether they're not or whether they're just talking about anything anything okay it's like they are fundamentally uninteresting people but that's probably and that's that's probably by design like you sort of find the most vacuous individuals you can because now you're able to mold this this celebrity like they're all like clay yeah, exactly. And so they're able to be mold like, okay, we want this we want you to, you know, give off this type of vibe. We want this person to like because they're they all have handlers and all of that yeah, type yeah, of yeah. shit too. So it's kinda like you aren't getting that person anyway. Yeah. Like even the interviews for the most part are like rehearsed. You know? And like with this hot ones shit, I was like, Oh, this is kind of an idiosyncratic this is a new layer to to Mm-hmm. Remarket like a, just a traditional long form interview, and even the, I think the unspoken assumption is like, oh, you're putting these celebrities in an uh, uncomfortable position because the food is so fucking spicy that they're sort of off their game. And I was like, even factoring in that variable, it's still absolutely mundane. Like these yeah. people do not have anything interesting to say. So yeah, I I was like. That Ricky Gervais shit, I was like, damn. Yeah, no, that was that was sweet. Yeah, um, but all right, that was a good mix of silliness and yeah, some serious shit, silly somber. Yeah. All right, so we'll take a break, and we come when we come back, we'll talk about uh, why capitalism has gone sicko mode.
All right, welcome back to the Now That You Mention It podcast. At this time, we'd like to invite you to follow us on social media, follow us on Instagram, um, engage with us on Instagram, email us. It's at NTYMIPod. If you don't know, now you know. That's it. Yep. All right. So the premise of today's episode is capitalism going sicko mode. So I guess, Kevin, I'll start by saying to you or asking you how you what do we mean when we say capitalism going sicko mode like really we just kind of came across that phrase or that yeah. play on sicko mode and yeah. and it, it just, just so like fire. the emotional like the the, the yeah. stuff it was able to conjure, conjure up was <laughs> right. just was like all right let's make an episode centered around capitalism going sicko mode so what do we mean by that capitalism run amok right like essentially the sort of uh unfettered sort of untampered capitalism this idea that just money and financialization just is allowed to really really just you know like i said a minute ago just has carte blanche over society and we're vibing to it as if shit is just peachy. (laughs) (laughs) We are vibing to it. Yeah. We're vibing to this shit every day. And it's just like, this shit is sick. It's really, we're in sicko mode. We are in sicko mode. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really, that's a really fired uh, definition, a way of framing the, uh, the episode. So for me, maybe we can start here. Um, I'm fairly economically illiterate. Um, but so with that caveat, this is how I envision the episode. I'm starting with this intuition that there's something deeply fucked up mm-hmm. with the the economic moment we find ourselves in. And I am presented with evidence for that all the time. I feel like I find evidence in my everyday life that reinforces that intuition. And yet in the media, I'm constantly confronted with messaging that tells me that we're in economically prosperous times. Namely, like GDP mm-hmm. continues to go up and up and up. Stock market prices go up and up and up. Our economy is worth close to $20 trillion. And yet, I'm confronted with all this evidence that would suggest we're not in economically prosperous times for the for most people, so there's this source of cognitive dissonance. Um, what do you think about that? Um... I mean, yes, it's definitely a, a prosperous time for people who can take advantage of the economy, namely <clears throat> people in the one percent, the point oh 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 one percent. Like the people who have wealth are able to compound their wealth in this current economic system the way that it's structured, but everyday people aren't because. There's a lot of shit that's just no longer here. We don't have any sort of manufacturing or anything like that, right? Shit that gives you like tangible, tangible wealth. Yeah. We're just living in fucking numbers and derivatives and shit. So, so going, so that's perfectly dovetails into what I want to talk about. Really, it's just first, I feel like we'll we'll get to the stats and the hard numbers to like back up our, back up all these claims, like, cause it's going to sound like I'm just like, complaining a lot but so first i have this like sort of stream of anecdotal evidence i I, i'm starting with this this feeling i have that i i feel like i have to work so hard and i feel like like most of my friends also have to work so hard and sacrifice let work monopolize their 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 lives Mm. just to really break even and it feels like the 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 relationship between your work input and the output you receive is not really proportionate and i'm just i'm thinking of things here like cost of living housing everything seems to be unreasonably expensive like we'll get to the numbers later so yeah i feel like we've been forced into this bargain that we we weren't asked to make in the first place where namely that if you want to live a reasonably secure life and have your basic needs met you have to let work monopolize all of your time in the present mm-hmm. 
and I, okay, I'm not talking about people who are like working crazy hours in a, in a super competitive field, like stacking as much bread as they can, so they'll be good in the future. I'm talking about you have to let work monopolize your life completely just to have your basic needs met. And at that point, my thinking boils down to I'm sacrificing my life just to maintain a status quo. I'm sacrificing my present to be able to continue sacrificing my present. Like my 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 the my thing life. the thing is is that the the economy isn't set up for people to work in order to establish and create wealth. You work in order to be able to work the next day. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying. And at that, if if that's the situation that most of our most of us find ourselves in then what how are you supposed to pay for higher education? How are you supposed to have kids? How are you supposed to do any of the things that make life worth living? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean you, you can't. You're supposed to work. You're uh you're a cog in the system in that sense where it's just like your labor is a, is at that's the priority for the system it's not really at this point because we've because we've gone into this moved into this era of financialization where everything is is monetized that your labor is the only thing that you sort of have to offer now right in this system your time is your it's your time and that time is your labor and so it's kind of like here this is what you're giving up and you give that up in order to be able to, to continue, continue giving it up to in continue the future giving it up yeah that's all it is i mean <clears throat> really shit shit changed for people uh post-1970 wages have been stagnant since the 70s while cost of living pretty much everywhere has gone up yeah and so it's kind of like it's literally in your face that it's not designed for you to do anything other than sustain yourself in order to be able to continue to work and prop up whatever major corporation or whatever the fuck it is that you work for. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think we're inundated with these these sort of myths of the American dream of the meritocracy while not a lot in my the raw experience of my day to day life supports the idea that that might be and then you have to think you have to think about like how if you can see that in a place like new york right where the veil is sort of you know on 10 here in terms of like in terms of purporting this image of progress and prosperity and shit right like this idea that everybody's you know got something popping and, and shit's working for them or whatever like this is the epicenter of it. <clears throat> Imagine how fucked up it is when you go to like Michigan and like Wisconsin yeah. and shit like that, where it's nothing there, like at all. Like, I mean, they call it flyover country before, you know what I'm saying? But now where it's like you have no manufacturing, like schools or, you know, public schools are defunded, like all types of shit where it's just like, retail is gone because of amazon malls are malls are gone like you have like a serious like i don't know like it's 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 just desolate yeah and and just like i said just imagine like what what that looks like well i'm i'm glad you brought up new york because another thing that i was thinking about and i i just think this is sort of illustrative of the the broader point we're trying to make is this another one of these myths that we sort of have etched uh onto our cultural consciousness is the idea of like the struggling artist right this is something Mm -hmm. i was thinking about um where you know you can imagine the cat who elects to forego a traditional career in order to become whatever an actor a musician a painter whatever and we've been again inundated i'm thinking like through movies and tvs primarily but all but also through books with this romanticized idea of the guy or the girl who, you know, by day is going to auditions, hustling, doing their shit. And then at night, you know, like waiting tables, working at a bar to get by. Um, or any variation on that basic theme. And like their life isn't necessarily depicted as glamorous because they're sacrificing mm-hmm. some level of security in order to pursue their passion, mm-hmm. right? So it's not as if the the myth that I'm claiming we all have been inundated with says that you can have the best of both worlds mm-hmm. and you can live lavishly and do whatever the fuck you want. Right. I'm not claiming that. But th- there is this idea that you can make a sacrifice of some level in terms of money, comfort, stability 
to pursue a passion, but still be able to exist viably within the system. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're talking about New York. Like, I don't think that exists anymore. Like with cost of living. That's why I said it's a veil. And everything. (laughs) It's like, I don't even like maybe the last time that was really possible for cats was like the nineties. Like where you could be like, okay, I'm trying to make it as an actor or musician, but at night I'm, I'm, I'm waiting tables at a bar or whatever, and I'm able to pay my rent. I'm able to pay insurance Mm because the bar doesn't give me fucking health insurance. I'm able to pay fucking electric and shit. I'm able to get around on the subway. Like, I don't really think that exists anymore. Like, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but I Oh no, no. And, but that's, that's a part of this like particular moment in terms of everything being privatized, everything you know, costing more. Like, look at all the shit you name, healthcare, utilities, rent. Like, all of this shit is in private hands and it's just like, and I'm not like some, you know, communist, socialist where I think like the state should control everything. Um, I just, I am a democratic socialist, I guess you would say. But I, I do think it's basic shit that cats in a society like this that creates and generates so much wealth should be giving to the masses of people who ab- who absolutely need it. Well, I think I think it boils down to this. Regard like if an individual says, "Okay, I live in this system that I've been born into these circumstances. This this is the economic situation I find myself in." Like I'm going to get a full-time job whatever that may be like let's say it's a working class job i'm gonna do my 40 hours maybe even a little more and i'm gonna i'm gonna gladly accept this burden that's been thrust upon me of like i'm gonna be the the economic input so like the the system can whatever you know like i'm gonna be the what i'm gonna do what's asked of me Mm -hmm. and now it's like what should that person reasonably expect in return and i feel like in america we've come to the conclusion that if you're that type of person, you should be able, you should be entitled to a decent middle-class life. And I just don't think that that's how shit works anymore. Oh, no, it doesn't work like that. And the thing is, the the basic shit that you should be expecting as a result of your labor is what this society can provide. However, the myth has changed in terms of you do this and then you have, you know, you, you have this opportunity to, you know, have a house and have uh, start a family and all this shit. I think now the myth has changed where you aren't working hard enough if you don't have a house and you don't have a family and you don't, you know, and so it's kind of like now you have cats who are overextending themselves. Oh, I got to get two jobs. I got to, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, again, all you're doing is just giving out more more time and more labor for no guarantee in a you know in a system that has the resources to be able to like crazy as shit um damn i forgot it's he's a he's a lawyer uh i'll i'll have to look up his name um but he he does like a lot of political analysis and shit or whatever. And it, it was through a uh, truth dig. And so he, he spoke about the $2 trillion that's been spent in like Afghanistan or in the Middle East in general, whatever it was, right? $2 trillion on now we have the Washington post did some good journalism and did, uh, you know, had the Afghan, had the, the Afghanistan papers that exposed like all the lies and shit that came out of the Afghanistan war. So all this money that was dumped into, you know, this war over the last two decades and all of this shit, $2 trillion for nothing. Basically you could have guaranteed a public university, guaranteed healthcare, eradicated homelessness in the United States. Like, Oh, all types of shit that clearly this country can support and can do if we looked at the shit differently. We're like, so like we're in an age where now it's hyper individualized. Like all the onus is on you. And so because of that, 
you you can't have you know you can't have any true like transformative change within this shit yeah 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 okay so i think that's a perfect place to turn it over to some of the numbers and then i want to respond to something you said with a with another little anecdote that goes that i think fits in nicely with the idea that it's all on the individual like oh if you're complaining that you're sacrificed like you don't have the resources to get a car or whatever it's you're not you're just not working hard enough or whatever. right um okay so to get to the facts and stats one thing that stuck out, one thing that was salient to me in the face, that, that flies in the face of this supposedly booming economy, 43% of recent college grads are doing a job they're overqualified for, meaning they're doing a job that doesn't require a college degree. Mm-hmm. So right off the top, I'm like, okay, so what, so that's a not a great return on investment Right. So, like, what exactly was the four-year college degree for? If you're, if if almost half of four-year college grads are doing a job there, um, they're overqualified for. Coupled with the fact that the average student leaves college with thirty-nine thousand dollars in debt, mm-hmm. and if you're among the forty-three percent of college grads doing a job you're overqualified for, you're earning on average ten thousand dollars a year less than your peers with jobs that do require college. Mm-hmm. So, that seems. That yeah. seems like we should include that somehow. GDP is skyrocketing, but right. college isn't really paying dividends for a lot of the people that go to it. And tell me what you think about this. I found that um, getting a job post-college and post-grad school was more difficult than it ought to have been based on everything that I had been told by my parents by what I had read. So let me tell you what I mean by that. And I know I'm going to get accused of like being privileged or not working hard or whatever. Um, but like how many of us were sold this romanticized myth of like, oh, hey, you want to work for this or that company? Just go in there and tell them you'll sweep the damn floors. Like mm-hmm. my dad told me that's how he got his first job. When I think in a moment when I was expressing frustration, like, yo, I'm submitting mad resumes. I'm not getting anything back. Like I, I did college. Right. Did pretty well in college. I did grad school. I worked my ass off in grad school. Like, what's going on here? But my dad was like, yeah, he, I literally, he literally just pulled up to a job and said, hey, I want to work here. What can I do? So, okay, so here's the story. <laughs> and, okay, also, like, I appreciate the level of, like, do-it-yourselfness and, right, like, right. taking your the, destiny yeah, into the, your own hands. The, I appreciate the, it. Like, I, I, like, there's something to be said about that. But The you-can-do-it-too-ism. Right. <laughs> but, so I took that advice to heart at a certain point, and... At a certain point, my dream job was working for SNY, which is the network that broadcasts the Mets. Mm-hmm. So I do the thing. Like I find out where the studio is. I get all dressed up, like shoes, tie, shirt, jacket. I print out my resume on nice fucking resume paper, nice folder. I go up to the receptionist. I'm like, is there anyone that I can talk to here about, about getting a job? And the, she's like, the receptionist is like completely blasé, unimpressed. And she's just like, we don't actually allow people to go up to the studio if they if they don't have an appointment. And I'm like, okay, well, all right, all right, word. She's like, all right, but you can leave the resume with me. And then I'm like, I'm still feeling like, I'm like, I'm like, not many people do this. Like she's, and I'm like, how many people do this? Like, do you ever get, have you ever seen this before? I'm expecting it to be like, no, maybe. The, she's like, a lot of people do this. <laughs> Ask me if I got that job. <laughs> did you get the job? I did not get the fucking job. I did not get the fucking job. I didn't even get an, an acknowledgement that I had done anything. That shit is hilarious. Bro, and like, so so that doesn't fucking seem to work. And like, when you apply to jobs online nowadays, you are one of thousands of yeah, resumes yeah, yeah, in an electronic yeah. slush pile that an algorithm goes yeah, through. Yeah, right. So like, my my point in saying this is to try to communicate that this old school American dream type shit just isn't really viable anymore, and it's not really a, a useful framework for, especially for the older generation, to try to enforce upon a generation that's like voicing these concerns. Right. Um, okay. Also, uh, twenty different stat that flies in the face of supposedly economic prosperous times 27 study by career 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 builder said that eight in 10 americans live paycheck to paycheck 
A 29 survey done by Charles Schwab found that 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. So the number is somewhere some, too high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, in 2017, the Federal Reserve Board found that almost half of American households can't receive could not could not cover a four hundred dollar emergency right. ex- expense. So again, it's like, what are the? How can we, with a straight face, say that like this unfettered growth is a good thing or whatever? When you have half of Americans, half of people in the richest country in the world, can't afford a four hundred dollar bill. So we're still operating off of the sort of Reagan trickle down philosophy. Can you explain that? Essentially just um you allow you deregulate so that, you know, companies, corporations, uh in the case of, you know, late neoliberal capitalism, hedge funds, you let you let these people generate you do you deregulate the system in order to allow these companies to generate enormous amounts of wealth so because they have the space and you know ability to do so and it said that this money will then trickle down to the middle and working class as a result because of you know you you allow these companies to create all of this wealth and oh wages you know the companies will pay their employees more and all of this type of shit, right? Okay. It, it obviously doesn't work out like that. It goes up to the, you know, top 1% and sort of calcifies at the top and that's it. Everybody else is sort of left to to hold the bag. I mean, it, it it's sort of, it, you know, the 2008 crash shows it, right? When the, the government decides to bail out the banks they're too big to fail. This idea of too big to fail is still is within that trickle down philosophy that we can't allow these companies to go defunct. You can't allow these banks to go under. Otherwise, that'll fuck up everybody else's shit. When working class people are like, no, bail us out. <laughs> right, right. Because, and then it's, it's also like, if you want to save this shit, you could go all the way back to, to FDR with the New Deal. And even though for like black people that shit didn't, you know, reach black people like it should have, uh, what the New Deal, what Roosevelt said, you know, it's a socialist pretty much platform, but he said he was saving capitalism, which he did. What you have to do is like, who's going to buy all of this shit? Like we're a consumer society, so who's going to pay for all of this shit if you don't give the, you know, consumer base the discretionary funds in order to turn the wheels of this system or whatever. Like the fact that people are living paycheck to paycheck and all this shit is just showing like the shit on the ground is totally different from what's on the computers and what's, what's, you know, what's shown through stock buybacks and, and all of this, you know, weird manipulation of, of the numbers. Like, yeah, the GDP says something, but, people have an actual lived experience. Right, yeah. Uh, and I was reading a paper by this NYU professor, Edward Wolf, that the basic takeaway was that the richest 10% of American households control 84% of the total value of the stock market. That was in 2017. So I want to read this quote from an article in on Investopedia that I found that I think sums up what I'm talking about really well. And then we can talk about inflation and uh, cost of housing and living. The quote reads, many people feel that even with full-time work, they simply don't have the income necessary to live the lives they want. When it comes to just the basic essentials such as food, rent, car payments, or tuition fees, it can often seem that a dollar today just doesn't buy what it should. As it happens, this isn't just economic paranoia. In fact, the prices for daily goods have increased considerably since 1998, above and beyond what can be accounted for by inflation, giving the dollar much less buying power than it had just 20 years ago. So to just concretize it with one example, household um, household income has been increasing, but it's failed to keep up with the pace of inflation, which right. is effectively, it's right. basically the same thing as taking a pay cut. Right. Um, 
and the cost of buying items like houses and cars has increased, but at a rate that out, outpaces the, the rise in inflation. So an example is that the, the Census Bureau in 1999 reported that the average p- price of buying a new home was $193,000. So if you adjust for inflation, that should come out to roughly like $300,000 today. But the same report put the average price of a home in May of last year at $377,000. So that's more than 25% what inflation would account for. So it's kind of like the the generation that's coming up right now is fucked a little bit. Not even a little bit. (laughs) And um, another study came out that said millennials earn 20% less on average than baby boomers did at the same age despite being overall better educated. Right. Yeah. Right. So, and then what's what's also interesting about that is just uh, while working class and middle class, and and that's now sort of blurred to the point that it's essentially just one sort of precarious group. Um, the precarity is sort of illustrated by the fact that a household can't cover a four hundred dollar emergency. Um, but looking at like looking at the way that wealth sort of wealth grows, I think 2% or 2.5% while the, the economy itself grows at 2% a year, I think wealth compounded wealth like outstrips, outstrips the the actual of of the, of the economy. So it's like, so you have cats, you have these, these uber rich families whose, Wealth is growing at a rate faster than the, than the actual economy itself, and so yeah, we can see like how these you know enormous amounts of wealth are then just be you know reproducing itself or themselves rather all the different the Bezos the the Gates the Buffets and and everyone in between, and so you see how that shit is generating at a rapid rate while at the same time people are paycheck to paycheck and all of this shit and it's just like it's an utter contradiction to the to the narrative but then you also have to think about who's in the media like how much of the fucking Rachel Maddow and you know you go from MSNBC to Fox News with Tucker Carlson or whatever they're millionaires so they're doing fine within the, you know, with how this shit is set up. So naturally, you're going to get that type of perspective on economic issues. And yeah. shit you aren't going to get, they don't have, you know, working class reporters. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. So I think this is a good moment to turn it over just to the the real sick shit, which is like the Jeff Bezos. This is sicko mode. So. I came across this thing on Reddit um, that was an exercise in conceptualizing what being a billionaire really means. Um, Because I sort of feel like, you know, when we talk about Jeff Bezos' net worth, sort of like talking about, um, sort of like talking about astrophysics where we hear like, oh, there's 200 billion stars in the galaxy or whatever. And we're like, all right, word, like that's a lot without ever really having a a grasp on what that actually means. Um, so same thing. Like when we hear that Jeff Bezos's net worth is around 110 billion, we're like, all right, that's a lot, but we don't really know how much money that is. At least that, that's how I feel myself. Right. So again, this is, this is not original. I came across it on Reddit and I'm going to credit the, the, the user and the link to the post in the, in the show notes. But I think it was a very useful analogy for coming to terms with, um, with the net worth of someone like Jeff Bezos. Okay. So here's, here's the analogy. Envision a staircase, and each step on the staircase represents $100,000 of, of net worth. Mm-hmm. So half of the people in the U.S. are not even on the staircase at all, or they're on the very first step. And remember, this is net worth. It's not like a year's income. It's net worth. So half the people in the U.S. not even on the staircase are on the very first step. People in the 80th percentile of wealth in America, which meaning they're richer than four-fifths of other mm-hmm. Americans, are just on the fifth step. So think about just when you're walking up a staircase, go how long it takes you to get from step one to step five. That's like a couple seconds. Now, people with more money than 90% of Americans, millionaires, who we consider to be the economic elite, 
are on the 11th step. So again, a couple more seconds of walking and you're at the 90th percentile of Americans. A billionaire is 10,000 steps up on the staircase, which would come out to like three hours of walking. Okay, that's a, bi- a billionaire, a, sing- a single billion. Now, Jeff Bezos is so high up on this metaphorical staircase that it only makes sense to describe it in distance. He's 133 miles up on the staircase, which is 24 Mount Everests stacked on top of each other. Another way to conceptualize just what a million versus a billion means, a million seconds passes in 11 days. One billion seconds passes in 32 years. (laughs) Yeah, and he has like a hundred billion dollars. So it's like there's a completely so at at that so what that shit makes no fucking sense. So the question then is like, what do you do in? So I feel like the the relationship between what they bring to the world and what they get back has totally. Oh no, yeah, yeah, no, it is. It makes no sense that like, yeah, you you have an idea. And you started this business, or, or gen, you know, created this, con, you know, developed this concept, or whatever the fuck it is, right? I think, yeah, okay, you get compensated for that, but it's a fucking cutoff. There's no way that Jeff Bezos himself is worth one hundred billion dollars plus. There's just absolutely no way. Yeah, like that shit. To think that like somebody can have just one person, like he has so much money that he got a divorce, and his wife, his ex wife, is now one of the richest people in the world. Yeah, off of a divorce. Right, right. <laughs> like that shit is. He just made somebody a forty plus billionaire mm. off of a divorce. Wrote a check. Yeah. Sicko mode. That's fucked. <laughs> Bro, like, for Amazon, like, just for, like, one, one idea. One idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that's just, that's an indictment on, on the sort of value that we place, like, where we place value. Value in this system is primarily what generates the most revenue right yeah the, it's like a self-justifying system right yeah and then what is even what is even a more sicko element to the jeff bezos shit is that well one i was looking at this oxfam report that showed that eight in 2017 eight men owned the same wealth as half of the entire world eight mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. and that was when jeff bezos was worth was a, a mere 45 billion yeah so but but in 2019 the 400 richest richest americans all billionaires paid less in taxes percentage-wise than any other income group. Oh, yeah. And that's the first time that's ever happened, ever. Yeah, shout out to Bernie. Because <laughs> that's, like, that's one of his talking points, is like always pointing out how these people literally pay zero taxes. Warren Buffett, I was reading this article that talked about how in 2012, Warren Buffett made news for remarking that his secretary paid a larger share of her income in taxes than he had to. Exactly. Sicko mode. Fucking <laughs> okay, so I I have I have my example real right. quick, and it's about another billionaire, Michael Bloomberg. Bloomy. So, for those who don't know, the former mayor of New York City, um, he's running for president right now, and he's already spent, I believe, a whopping. I think it, it might be a hundred million dollars up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> he spent a hundred million dollars and hasn't blinked. Yeah, he's like to to try to, you know, sandbag the this whole election shit. Well, this at least this Democratic primary. But really the point that I want to get at is um Bloomberg has zero support. He has zero like real support, real grassroots support. Yeah. So in in politics, what they call um, fake grassroots support is astroturf. 
like you have the AstroTurf in football. Yeah, yeah. So Bloomberg is doing, a, he has a lot of AstroTurf. He's, he's got a lot of paid contractors, um, you know, phone banking for him, canvassing for him, all of that type of shit. So news a few weeks back came out that one of the phone banking uh, contractors was actually using labor from inmates. And so I was just sitting here thinking about the whole like lead up to this episode. Like that sort of encapsulates capitalism going sicko mode for sure is a billionaire literally paying for his candidacy in this democratic primary and using prison labor (laughs) in order to drum up support. Yeah. It's like, and all he did was, you know, Oh, we didn't know that, you know, that they were contracting prison inmates or whatever. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's just sort of like, it, it just shows how, it shows what money allows you to do. Like it shows that you can just, you can literally buy an election. So we no longer live in a democratic society. If you can just cash out. These people are, it. who's to say that those inmates would have voted yeah. for Michael Bloomberg and would have canvassed and volunteered for Michael Bloomberg. So now you have him being able to take advantage of inmates knowingly or not. Yeah. His money is able to take advantage of inmates who probably are completely ideologically opposed to Michael Bloomberg, yet they're calling uh, families all over the nation asking you to vote for him. Yeah. It's <laughs> insane. It's insane. We live in a fucked up place. Yeah. It's sicko mode. Yeah, we're vibing to it though. We are, but yeah, it's just it's just it's like a, it's we're humming along. It's the vibe. Yeah, mm. Amazon paid no dollars in taxes. They actually, you know, what I looked into that because I was like, oh, that's a trendy headline. Everyone's outraged about how Amazon paid nothing in taxes more than you and I and everyone listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. which is all right. Okay, that is absurd. I, I was mm-hmm. glad that lots of people were reporting on that. They actually got a tax rebate. <laughs> they got an 129 million dollar tax rebate in 2019 not only they got some money back wow you want to know what's even crazier though is being here in new york amazon had that you know they had those crazy plans and they were supposed to get that stupid ass tax break yeah, to yeah. come here and they came here anyway with no incentives or anything like that they still because they have the money to fucking do it. Yeah. Like this whole idea that we have to, you know, that cities have to bend over backwards for these multinational corporations and shit is, it's wild. Yeah. I was pissed when I found out that well, they're going to be in like Long Island City or whatever. Right? Yeah, I think so. It's all because Jeff Bezos like has a house here. Like all of, all of the proposed spots for where it was going to go were like within i think it's within his helicopter yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what it's for is it, he needs to he needs to hop in the chopper yeah to get to get to the office that's all light light flex yeah. just hop in the chopper yeah sicko mode yeah, it is all right well yeah. i got most of what i need to get off, yeah, off I, my chest I, yeah i i say what i have to say about bloomberg so that's, yeah i got mine all right. Well, we'll be back mm-hmm. next week. Maybe next week. Yeah. We, no, we probably need to too. come back next week. We got. We got. We got. We, we got a solid lineup coming. Yeah. Yeah, we do. All right. Stay tuned. Thanks, everyone. Later. Now that you mention it. Mention it. Mention. Mention it. Yeah.